the game is over, but we're just getting started. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch on the Raiders Podcast Network. Well, Fitz, are, uh, are you alive, pal? How you doing? You know, I'm alive, but I'm, I'm wondering why whenever we do the show together, the team decides to play overtime. Like, that's just, that's a trend. Two times, it's our second time getting to do this this season, and each time we get bonus football. So, like, I don't know what's going on in Vegas, but I'm not sure my old heart can handle this all season long. No, I can't either. By the way, Eddie Pascal here with our guy Jason Fitz. You're hanging out with us in the fifth quarter. And Fitz, it, it is incredible to think that we've done this twice. We've gone to two overtime games, two very different games. But my goodness, there is something in the water, in that grass at a legion or something, because we're just building instant classics right now. We really are two for two in that regard. Like we need to maybe think about renaming the show the sixth quarter. Since I know we get five quarters of football. But you're right. Like the, the chaos that has come with each ending has also been interesting. I mean, I think most Raiders fans would admit that there have been times in each overtime where you thought, well, this is the way the Raiders lose this football game, because that's what we've seen for a long time. So each time for them to come out and find a way to win the football game. I mean, I think it's telling to just the way the season is going that even at the end of overtime, Gruden made sure to run all of the clock off just in case something went wrong with that field goal. Cause it was like, you know what? At the very least, we're walking out of this thing with a tie. That tells you how weird this season's been. You know, it's so funny, too, because I was sitting next to, to Matt Walks in the box today, and we were talking about that, and I was like, boy, we really have no sense of urgency like in this. I was like, just kick the field goal, kick the field goal. And Matt essentially said exactly what you did. He's like, look, Gruden wants to make sure that we are not leaving with an L. The absolute worst case, we are walking out of here with a tie, and thankfully the Raiders didn't do that. They win the game 31-28. to But Fitz... I think let's let's start here where you look at this game and on paper, and I hate when people do that because this is the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. But on paper, your 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders come into this game going against a backup quarterback against a team that was frankly humiliated a week ago. And this is one of those games where you don't want to say trap game, but you know now you have the Chargers on Monday night. You're looking ahead to next week. And historically speaking, especially in recent history, it feels like this is the kind of game that the Raiders overlook, and then you, you come back at the end of the season, and you're like, that's one that we should have had. Like, There's a big difference between eight wins and nine wins, but they did not do that today. They made it a lot more complicated, a lot more stressful than it needed to be, but this is, you don't want to say a statement win week three, but this is a game that you had to have, and it was ugly, but the Raiders found a way to do it. I think a couple of things here. We've got to understand that not just for the Raiders, but for every team in the NFL so far, this is an up and down season. What you think you know one week, you don't know the next. Look at Jameis Winston is a great example of that. One weekend, people were saying, my God, if he'd been the quarterback of the Saints last year, they'd have been even better, which was stupid. And then week two, he's terrible. But then week three, he comes in and plays well against the Patriots. Like this is the NFL this year. It's a very up and down league. I look at Miami, say two things that we, we all need to remember. Number one, They spent more money last season going into the season than any team in the NFL in their secondary. That is a good defense. And we knew coming in that it was a good defense. In fact, we knew coming in that it was going to be a problematic defense for the wide receivers to create create any space. We knew that coming in. But the other thing is that there was a narrative over the course of the last four or five days, especially nationally, that, oh, maybe the team's better off with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. So, For anybody that said that coming in, you don't get to now say, yeah, but they were with their backup quarterback. I mean, Kobe Brissett's a capable starter. Tua Tugvalo is an unknown starter. So I still had high expectations. I thought 
the defensive line would be able to wreck Miami's offensive line. And frankly, one of the big stories of this game was that Brissett did a really nice job of getting rid of the ball faster than any of, ex- of us expected. That made the second half, I think, much more telling than we thought it would be. It got, it got tighter for that because of that reason. No, and, and I agree with you 100%. We're looking, you and I have talked about this too. Like, I, I like Jacoby. Like, I, I like his brand of shenanigans out there, right? Like, he's entertaining, if nothing else. But it is wild to think, and let's start with things that we like, because this was not a perfect game. There are things that, frankly, need to be addressed as we dive into week four, week five, et cetera, et cetera, and on we go. But in terms of things that I liked, I mean, Gus Bradley, have a day again. Another day for Gus Bradley. And we were kind of joking about this before we started rolling. I was like, Fitz, at what point, and I mean this like semi-seriously, like at what point do we start looking at, at the Raiders as like a defensive team, as wild and blasphemous as that sounds? It's a it, it's coming up this Monday, right, against the Chargers because that's a really good offense. I know a lot of Raiders fans watch the Chargers-Chiefs game with a, a, a lot of interest, right, because we're trying to figure out how the rest of the West stacks up. But I think what's interesting, you mentioned Gus Bradley's defense. Pick your poison. Pick your star. Like, we keep talking about the offense. I'll tell you, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm watching Ngakwe with a motor that just, I mean, you know I was high in the signing, but the fact that every single week he seems to get a little better and a little stronger. Max, late in the game, it might have even been in overtime, double teamed and just bulls through the double team and throws down. I mean, just throws down Jacoby Brissett to me was stunning. Trayvon Mullen had incredible moments in coverage. We're not even talking about Marion because, frankly, he's just out there doing his job. Jonathan Abram is putting himself in plays instead of taking himself out of plays. Like, I'm watching Perryman, the late edition we talked about a few weeks ago, in the right spot. K.J. Wright knocking people down at the line. Like, I was watching today thinking, my God, pick your poison because every single play, it's a different person that steps up. Now, that leads to some of the issues we'll address. But, frankly, I keep looking at this team and saying, the one thing they do is they swarm. They play with incredible energy. And then the fourth quarter, they're playing as fast as they were playing in the first quarter. Been a long time since we've seen a defense like that here. You know, and, and thinking back to, I guess, really kind of the, the middle of the fourth quarter, at one point I turned to, to my guy Walks and I go, so is this what capable linebacking play looks like? <laughs> like, it's, dude, it's been a minute. Like, someone, someone please, like, tell me, is this what it is? Enlighten me, because I don't know what I'm seeing. But, I mean, Denzel Perryman has been a godsend to this team. And it is wild to think. So he leads the team in tackles again. I'm pretty sure this is the third consecutive week he's done that. 14 tackles for Denzel. He was in a different place literally a month ago. Like, a calendar month ago, he was not in Las Vegas, which is bizarre to think about. And speaking of bizarre fits, can I ask you this? What was the Miami offense thinking on the play that resulted in a safety? I don't know. I don't understand. Like what? Like help me. Like I lean on you because you have much more of kind of an analytical mind than I do. Explain to me. Educate me, Fitz. What is the be- Like what's the best case scenario in that play? I think the best case scenario is they were afraid to run the ball and they were trying to think that maybe they could get three yards out of it. But it was a terrible play design and a great play by Casey Hayward. They pointed out on the broadcast and smartly that he saw it coming. I mean, he knew it, never wasted a step. And, you know, a lot of the guys that I talk to at ESPN that break down film will always talk about the the term false step. Like, are you taking even a a shade towards the wrong direction before you charge? Casey Hayward saw it coming out and charged to it. Like, it it was an insanely good defensive play. And, 
you know, I kept looking at, I think a lot of Raiders will Raiders fans will remember, you know, the last we were all haunted by the 99 yard touchdown a few years ago, playing against New Orleans. And you think, Oh, we got it backed up. And then all of a sudden, so my fear was that the, the entire secondary is going to play back to not let it go. They stayed super aggressive in that spot. Casey Hayward made a brilliant play and you're right. It was a, terrible play call that spoke to the lack of confidence they had in their offensive line. I thought it sent the team a terrible message on the Miami side early on and totally changed the rhythm for the Raiders because the Raiders were flat. You know, they, they were flat coming out and that play absolutely charged everybody up. And it was the first two points of a 25 point, uh, 25 point run there for your silver and black. But man, I, I was just sitting in the box and I, I couldn't get over it. It was so funny too the reaction of people in the box and everyone kind of has the same, like, what are, what are they doing? Like, I don't understand. Like, there was a collective confusion of what we had seen. It was great, but it really did. It sparked the offense, I think, a little bit. But it was just another play on top of, you know, 9, 10, 11 great plays for the defense today. But it was, uh, it was wild, I think, to watch as we kind of went through this game. And you and I have talked about this a lot. It was wild to see the sustained pressure that they got on Brissett. And give him credit. You said it. I mean, you're 100% right where he ev- he ev- evaded that pressure very well throughout the afternoon. But the pressure didn't stop. And this is not something we saw a year ago. We would see it for, oh, this is a good series, or we saw defensive pressure for a good half, or, you know, I guess in the Chiefs game, that's the one game last year you saw for a full 60 minutes. But it has been nonstop. It has been relentless. And, I mean, you look at it, we, we hear so much about the, the waves of the Gus Bradley defensive line. And God, it's fun to watch, man. It really is. Well, and I was so curious coming into the season if the defensive line could bail out a young secondary while they figured it out. The funny thing, even in this game, is that when Jacoby Brissett did have time, for the most part, nobody was open. I mean, the coverage has been really stinking good. And I I tweeted it out during the game. Watching Nate Hobbs tackle in space is like, it's, it's a work of art. Like, I mean, seriously, when you see him charging up on somebody, you know, he's not going to miss the tackle. And that is such a strange thing to feel when you see everybody. And, you know, you mentioned the linebackers earlier. I I feel like the linebackers as a group particularly swarm so well that they buy time. And and that's that's what you see. You know, yeah, there are going to be moments. And I think Justin Herbert is going to present a really unique challenge because, you know, we all saw the Brissett play late in the game where Perryman had him one-on-one and just didn't make the play. Like, uh, shifty quarterbacks seem to to be able to get that first step on this linebacking core. So they're going to have to be really disciplined with Herbert, who is a shifty quarterback, and make sure that he doesn't get the best of them. But my God, I mean, I'm just looking at this Raiders defense particularly and saying by not missing the easy tackles, what they're doing is they're not giving up a ton of extra yardage. That puts them in positive situations so often. Like we're looking at second and six that in previous years would have been second and three, and it's a total different approach to call on their defense. You know, and, and look, the defense has been outstanding. Gus Bradley is going to get a lot of credit over the next couple of weeks, and he 100% deserves it. And, and like you said, though, this is going to be a great test Monday night for the Raiders going into SoFi Stadium, a stadium that I have a large feeling would be predominantly silver and black, but that's a conversation for another day. But that young quarterback, that Oregon legend Justin Herbert, baby, he is going to test mm-hmm. this defense in a big way next week. And Fitz, we've talked about a lot, a lot about the things that we like. This defense is fantastic. But I ask you this, at what point do we start to get a little, maybe not concerned, but maybe the step before concerned, that this is now three weeks in a row where the offense has started slow, very, very slow? Yeah, I'm a little stunned by it because it's an offense that every week, like you always talk about the first 15 to 20 plays in the game are scripted. Well, right now we're losing that chess match. I mean, that's just just being real and being fair. We're losing the chess match on the scripted plays. 
once we get into the game, and this is the opposite of what we've seen the last few years. Usually we're used to seeing Carr come out, lights out, and really dissect everything, and everything feels good. But part of what we've seen every single week is an early on attempt to run the football. And when you can't run the football, and you're, you know, I was just talking about positive plays, like the Raiders are finding themselves in negative down and distance so often on the scripted plays in the beginning because they're trying to run the football. And whether it's partially because the backs are partially because the offensive line, it's just not happening. So all of a sudden, you know, we're finding this team, this offense is sitting there at second and eight and third and seven. And that's just, it's a tougher spot to be in. It's like they need the right now. It feels like the way the game goes, it's the passing game that eventually wears down the defense. And then they're able to run the ball in the fourth quarter. So I wonder if we're just going to see more aggressiveness to, Hey, this is who we are. We're just going to pass all as much as possible early, but we're going to run so many plays. You'll get gassed. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's an interesting philosophical place to be, I think for Gruden over the next couple of weeks. And boy, does this team miss Josh Jacobs in a bad way right now. But I, I think it's an interesting philosophical place to be because Gruden wants to run the football. Like at his core, he has made it very clear I want to run the football. I want to be a run first team. I want to run all those tight ends out there. Like I want to dominate the line of scrimmage, but it's just not there for this team right now. And Derek is playing very well. I mean, another 386 yard performance from DC, 26 to 43 has the one pick six and then two touchdowns. But at what point do you think John like starts to think to himself, like maybe we should just kind of become a five wide, like offensive aerial attack machine. No, that just takes changing the philosophy so much. And coaches, not just Gruden, but so many coaches in the NFL are convinced that this is my way and I can make it work. I mean, that takes a lot of flexibility to a coach to be able to step back and, and do that. Now, you know, you mentioned those big formations. And when we talk about not running the ball well, I mean, Foster Moreau in the first couple of drives, not just the pick six, which, you know, we'll never really know whose fault that was. Uh, Carr, I think, in the press conference did a nice job of saying, my bad, you know, and Foster Moreau may have had the responsibility to keep the route going. We don't know. What we do know is that that was a pick six. There were a couple of times on blocks that Foster Moreau was chasing his guy who was back in the backfield. I mean, it was it was a regrettable beginning for a player that I like a lot. And that's when you go big, you better make sure that it's hat on hat for the big guys that you're asking to make good plays. And that just didn't happen in the first two drives. So you have a combination of what I think is curious play calling for the strength of the team combine that with the fact that the execution wasn't on on spot and I, I, I'm with you like I'm watching this team late as the game goes on I'm watching Brian Edwards get more and more and man he's fun to watch just bust through double teams and still get that route I'm watching Henry Ruggs develop like anybody that has questions about Henry Ruggs this is a good time to step your, your game up throw your hand in the air and say hey I may have been wrong because you can't tell me some of the catches he's making aren't number one overall wide receiver. Like he looks like WR one when he's cutting across and launching to that elevation to get the ball. So like the exciting weapons are gaining the trust. So I, I would love to see them integrated from the get go. And the thing with rugs too, and I'm glad you brought Henry up is that it seems like now Gruden is finding more creative ways to get him involved in the game, right? Like, yes, we know this dude is a flat-out burner. Like, he's going to run his whatever obscene 40 time it is. But he's you need, he's the kind of guy you have to figure out the, a way to get the ball into his hands. And it's something that the fans were clamoring for last year. And it felt like for whatever reason, it just didn't really kind of come to, come to fruition. But through three games, it feels like week after week after week, Gruden is putting more on his plate. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Derek, I think we are seeing that relationship, that trust, between Derek and Ruggs. I think we're seeing it grow before, uh, before our very eyes. 
Yeah, and let's have a real moment. But by the way, uh, you have to love my sparkly mug. I keep Gorgeous. Uh, taking the drink. It, it's it's sparkly, so I got to address it. Vegas, baby. Will, will wonder. Uh, you know, you know me, all glitter, all glam. When you talk about rugs, I think there's a really human element that a lot of fans don't think about. And I had the chance last year during COVID to talk to a bunch of kids that were drafted, not rugs specifically about this, but a bunch of them. And just the like, hey, how's it going process after the draft? You know, talking to them at ESPN and talking to kids that are like, yeah, I had to move and figure out an apartment. I've never lived this far from home and I'm trying to figure out what to do with my mom. And like, you know, she wants to come visit and I don't know where to put her up. And like the, the concept of, hey, on April, whatever, I live in Alabama and on April, whatever, I now live in Las Vegas and I've got to get a place to live and I've got to figure out who my network is and like, who am I hanging out with? Who am I not hanging out with? How do I make life work? Like for how am I going to be a professional athlete? Now I don't go to everything together with my teammates because I'm on a team with a bunch of grown men that go home to their families, like figuring out how to be a rookie in the NFL as a human being, I think is incredibly difficult. And we don't think about that enough when we talk about the process of growth for kids. So like, I think part of the reason we're seeing Ruggs and Edwards really step up and part of the reason even we're seeing Max step up, like you see young players, they have to adjust to the concept of I'm rich. I live in an awesome city. I'm a professional. This is my job now. Now I'm comfortable. Now I know more of the playbook. Now I know more of what's expected of me. Like that all takes a second. And so I think this year we're seeing a much better indication on those wide receivers of who Ruggs and Edwards can be for the next five years than we saw last year. And I think you bring up a tremendous point about we forget that these are like normal dudes. Like Henry, as crazy as it sounds, was a college kid like, what, 18 months ago? Like he was worried about passing, you know, sociology 218 or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Which is wild to think about. But I think that what's been great about Henry, and we, I think he's handled it really well, but I think there's that very human element of it too where it's like, He's not he's not dumb. He's not blind. Like last year, he's got to hear all those things that people are saying about him. As much as these guys like to say, hey, I don't listen to the noise, yada, yada. Like at some point, you listen to it a little bit. So I think it's been great to see through three games. Henry be like, yo, this is who I am. Like I'm a, I can say badass, right? I'm a badass, like fast, strong, wide receiver. Like I'm going to go out here. I'm going to show you all that this is the best version of myself. And this is what I'm going to do every, every single Sunday. And it's, a, it's so much fun to watch now. I mean, think about Miami. Locked in man to man with some of the best corners in the entire NFL and said, beat me. And he did on multiple yeah. routes and he climbed up. I was got now I call it the milk crate climb because it yeah. looks like he's got <laughs> visible milk crates under his feet. He climbs up the milk crate, comes down with the ball like the one sideline. The fact that he actually stopped and made sure he had both, hand, both feet in the ball inbounds, in fell down on the ball and still controlled it through like that's a level of, of uh, awareness to what is expected of you to get that throw again the next time. I, I don't think we can put enough importance on that. Look at, look at Ren, Renfro's numbers. Cause we always talk about Hunter Renfro, right? Like look at his numbers and the way they keep increasing. And, and they kept saying on the broadcast today, it's because he has more familiarity with defenses and what he's reading, what he's seeing. Well, now think about what that's going to mean for every other young player we're seeing in the league. I, I mean, if this offense really gets to the spot where rugs Renfro Edwards and Waller are all getting five, six, seven catches a game. Now you're talking to your point. Now this is a passing five wide offense because you can't feed that many people and still give Jacobs his 25 touches again. You know, it's funny too. We're talking about all the great things that Derek did and we're talking about the, the offense and, and rugs having this great game. But it, it felt like to me, Fitz, there were so many periods of this game where it just looked out of sync though, right? Where it just looked kind of clunky and not 100% of the way there. And I wonder, is that do you, do you attribute that more to like, hey, this offensive line is banged up, Josh isn't there, or is it like, 
I, I don't I don't know what to attribute to, I guess, because we've seen at its best that it's awesome. You see Derek doing his thing, throwing deep to Ruggs, throwing deep to Edwards, but then there's also moments where you're like, what, what are we doing, guys? Yeah, I think what we see, you know, you and I talk a lot about trust. What we see is trust from Derek Carter's weapons. What we're still seeing is a lack of trust to what's happening in front of him. That takes a second, right? And this offensive line, I mean, I had Raiders blowing me up all summer when I was saying, hey, the offensive line being different is going to make a difference. And fans are like, nope, we got younger, we got cheaper, and we got better all at once. No, we did not. We made changes, right? And those over time, are, are the, the, this is what the team is banking on, that Tom Cable, the offensive line coach, is going to be so good with these young players that as they get more and more experience, they are going to gel together. But we are seeing, not just from the Raiders, but across the NFL, bad offensive line play because a bunch of guys aren't in sync yet. And, you know, uh, sticking with the Backstreet Boy in sync analogy, you can have five great people in a boy band, but if they don't dance together at the same time, it's not going to look, it's not going to look right. Right. And so I think what we see at times is, are they all dancing together the same way at the same time? I can't believe I just turned a bunch of offensive linemen into a boy band, but this was part of the growing pains. The organization agreed they were comfortable with because they were secure in letting these guys get the opportunity. You can't just throw all of them out. Just like last year, we couldn't expect as much from Ruggs and Edwards. I think knowing that this is the beginning for James, you, you have to look at guys like that. You have to look at it and say, okay, John Simpson was not going to be relied on to be the starting guard this year. He is now getting a ton of reps. Since we've gone off the rails, Fitz, were you more of a Backstreet Boys guy or an InSync guy? You know, that's a really, so both. Uh, let's Come on, you got, hey, like, you got to take one, brother. But, you got to take yeah, one. Yeah. Okay, um, well, Nick Carter lives in Vegas, so I should be all Nick Carter. I think the Backstreet Boys had better songs, but I think InSync were better singers. I grew up with one of the guys in InSync. But I'm still going to Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You can't just gloss that one over, Fitz. Who did you grow up with? What member of NSYNC were you uh, childhood associates with? Uh, high school. Uh, high school. Chazé. Really? Yeah, JC yeah, and I are still, uh, which is always weird that they call him JC Chazé, because for anyone that doesn't know, uh, his name's Josh Chazé, right? And so Josh uh, was cast on the new Mickey Mouse Club, but there was already another Josh there. So they made him JC <laughs> because they couldn't have two Joshes. And then when he went to NSYNC, they made him J.C. Shazay, which would make him Josh Shazay Shazay. It makes no sense to me. You can't be Josh Shazay Shazay. If, so if, if you, you if you know, call Josh Shazay Shazay right now, you think you'd pick up? Um, I, I probably, uh, you know. That's a good flex, A couple man. of days ago. Oh, okay. Oh, so he's, you guys are very much in the mix then still. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're still, we're still, uh, we're, we're good. Yeah, like it's, he's, he's we're, we're good friends. Yeah. Who, does, who does Josh Shazay Shazay root for? Who's his team? Uh, he's more of an NBA guy, okay. but he's also like sort of into whatever the game is. Like sure. he's not a fan. Like and Nick, a fan of the, the way, game. Carter, if we're going back to the Backstreet thing, yeah, Nick Carter lives for anyone that doesn't know, right next to Gruden and Carr. Like he's he's neighbors with Coach, but he's a Tampa Bay fan and he's got a massive Tampa Bay tattoo. So he and I have had some words about whether my Raiders tattoo or his Tampa Bay tattoo is better. So you know, well, yeah. What do you think those? Uh, what do you think those block parties are like with Gruden, Derek? Nick Carter. I think, like, I think DC comes out and like has the food under control, right? Mm-hmm. That that's my my mindset is like he's got sort of the like because he's very control oriented, so he's like, don't worry, guys, I got all of this. I think Nick comes in and just kind of throws it all like he's chaos, like I'm gonna Tasmanian devil it, right? Sure. And then Gruden comes in late. He comes in late to the party, gives a look of disapproval, kind of a <laughs> sneer, eats everything that he wants to eat because you know, like he's he's yeah. coach. And he leaves and he doesn't say good job or not. But then like three days later, he sends a thumbs up text to both <laughs> of them. And that's it. No context either. 
just just oh my god i would love to i'd love to see that group chat that would make me so happy uh speaking speaking of 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 people drinking beers and eating food man i i uh, I hope my guest brad my guy guest bradley enjoys a cold one tonight we were talking about this on the radio yesterday what was it tuesday fits whatever day that was yeah but uh we were talking about like oh is is gus like a six-pack guy or a 30-pack guy and I hope Gus is enjoying whatever he needs to enjoy because that man deserves it tonight, no doubt. Yeah, I, I mean, and we've got to start acknowledging whatever the Raiders' past has been, I don't, you and I have talked about this, I don't really care. Like, who is this Raiders team today? And this Raiders team today uh, had moments. And there were moments that I, I'll always tell people, when you're relying on young talent, young talent will make mistakes. That's just the way it goes. I think if you caught Max in an honest moment, he would tell you that he understood he shouldn't have he shouldn't have popped Bursette. Yeah. You know, it was a late hit. Like you 100%. watch the replay back, it's a late hit. It's a regrettable moment from a kid that has a massive mo- motor. If you look at Trayvon at the play in the end zone that was pass interference, he got there earlier and he was grabbing. I think if he looked at the film, he'd say, Yeah, it's a regrettable moment. He was afraid he was going to get beat. And so he did whatever he could to to prevent the touchdown. When you are relying on young players to be the building blocks of the franchise, that just comes with it. I, I have less patience when I see a veteran make that sort of mistake. But when you got young guys that are maybe cutting a ra- route off early, when you got young guys that are committing penalties, that's part of because young guys are being put in huge situations. And for anybody that wants to get twisted about the ending, let's also acknowledge that nobody in the Raiders organization expected Diablo to be on the field in the last five minutes and have to make substantial plays. And like Gillespie was able to come in, make a couple of those. But when you got Diablo coming in, and all of a sudden, they they were going after him. And what do you expect that Miami should do? That's what Vegas had to survive. And that's no discredit to the player. It's what's going to happen. When you've got young players making plays, part of the trade-off is you've got young players making penalties. And the Raiders were good enough to survive that. Yeah, and look, this is one of those games. And regardless of whether you go 17-0 or 0-17, whatever it is, you're not going to win pretty every week. You're just not. And you can make an argument the Raiders haven't won won pretty out of any of these first three games. But all the same, the fact that they are winning, they're winning ugly, they're finding ways to win, feels different. And look, I'm with you. There's so much turnover in the NFL. You look at how much the roster has changed from year to year. It really is kind of hard to compare the 2021 Raiders to the 2019 Raiders to the 2020 Raiders. I get that. But all the same, I think just as a fan, I think you almost let yourself go to that Oh, I've kind of seen this movie before. I know what's going to happen. And you get, you know, whoa, 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 here we go. But the fact that they're winning these games, man, the fact that this team is 3-0 and for the first time in 20 years, I mean, that means something. Well, and, you know, I've said this to you a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to keep saying this until it's like a mantra we all recite. Good teams find a way to win. Bad teams find a way to lose. And the other thing is we always talk about penalties. And the Raiders ended up with eight penalties for big yards. We know a couple of those. We, we saw all those. And I just mentioned some of them. But penalties so often when we talk about how penalized bad football teams are, it's because when you're out of position or you're beat, you, you hold it. You cheat. Like that, that's your moment. You're like, I got to get a hold in here. Cheating. Otherwise, my quarterback's going to get killed. Right? Like that's just the way it happens. I was watching the team, especially through the first three quarters, that was playing so clean, especially on the defensive side of the ball compared to what we extend and still playing with that same level of energy. I mean, I just, I, I'm really impressed with not only the swarming and the motor and all of that, but the control that the team, this team is showing. And we have three weeks of tape now, like three weeks of tape gives every team an idea of how to attack somebody. And with all that being said, with knowing how to attack Hunter Renfro, 
The fact is you can't stop the 18 routes that he puts into one route. Like nobody seems to be able to stop it. You can't stop Henry Ruggs from consistently getting open right now. And everybody's doing anything they can to blanket and shut down Waller. And by, by doing that, every time you see Waller only have five catches, that tells you that everybody was cheating up to it. And the number of film gurus I talked to this week that were using Minka Fitzpatrick, who is a great secondary player, a great player, talking about how he spent the entire Steelers game cheating to try and stop Waller, and that created opportunity everywhere. Like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Rugs' speed is helping Waller. Waller's uh, ability to get open is helping Rugs. Teams can game plan for it, and they still can't stop it. So I think there's a lot of positives still to take away. Absolutely, and you look at Darren's line, five catches for 54 yards, definitely not the sexiest, most incredible line he's ever had. But to your point, and you had a great tweet where – when you look at what Darren does, the fact that people have to pay attention to him, that defensive coordinators need to know where he is every single second that he is on the football field makes life so much easier for Renfro. It makes life easier for Ruggs. When Josh gets back, it's going to make life easier for Josh. Like It is just a net positive. And by the way, man, is there anyone in the game of football right now who makes it look as easy and as effortless as Waller does? Like when, Even when he catches the ball, you're just like, I, oh, I could go do that. Like That's how easy he makes it look, which is incredibly mind-blowing for a man of his size. Uh, well, and the big completion in the fourth quarter where he went up and go gadget armed it, like uh, for most tight ends that, that need to get up to that height, it looked like Card overthrown him, I thought, when the ball was up. And you just see Waller's ability to get vertical. It's, it's astounding. Like there is a special weapon with Darren Waller. And by the end of the year, I think he's going to be, everybody's going to finally acknowledge that he is every bit as good as Travis Kelsey by the end of the year, if not better. And, uh, and that's what you want if you're a Raiders fan. Like, he's unstoppable. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And look, at this point, this team's rolling, man. 3-0. and It's a lot of fun to be wearing silver and black right now. And, dude, how much fun is Monday night going to be now? The Chief, or excuse me, the Chargers handle business in Kansas City, which, ooh, didn't see that one coming. So your undefeated Las Vegas Raiders are going to fly down to Los Angeles to take on Justin Herbert and the Chargers in, I will say, what is probably going to be the most hype Monday night game we've had in this young season. Well, and there are a lot of people that were tweet me during the uh, right as the season started about the ignorance of the national media covering the AFC West. And especially because people weren't giving the Raiders enough credit. And in the minds of many Raiders fans, everybody was overblowing the Broncos and the Chargers. Now, we don't know how good the Broncos are going to turn out to be. They haven't played the toughest schedule yet, but the Broncos are sitting there undefeated. The Chargers sat there and took it to the Chiefs today. The Chiefs are sitting in last place. So let's remember, as we look at all of this division, this is the most active. I think we give the NFC West too much love. I think the AFC West is the most difficult division in the NFL this year. And whoever comes out of this thing is the division champion. I presumed it was going to be the Char- or the Chiefs, but we're watching a Chiefs team that this year is flat-out careless with the football None of us saw that coming. So if the Chiefs can't figure out how to stop it, then this division is wide open. And I still think that all of the wildcard teams could come out of this division. And that's crazy to say. Like, this is a stacked division of playoff caliber quarterbacks, playoff caliber rosters, rosters that are good top to bottom. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really stunned with how great these teams have looked so far. And the Chargers are the truest of true tests on paper because they are absolutely stacked. And, oh, man, it is going to be so much fun. It is going to be an absolute blast in Los Angeles, and I cannot wait. Well, Fitz, tremendous work per usual. You look great. What are the, what are the uh, records behind you today? I feel like they move sometimes. What do we got uh, uh, this afternoon? So I've got one. I've got a Van Perry uh, gold behind me. I've got Tim McGraw behind me. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then that. Nation there. Love that. And Love that. What do I have? 
Um, oh, Michael W. Smith record. I I'll move it next. My my favorite one is Matchbox Twenty, and it's on the other wall. So you know, no Matchbox Twenty this week. Uh, we'll put them back in rotation next. That's week. all right. They need to be. Shout out to Matchbox Twenty. Uh, I do love a little uh, little three a.m. little unwell. You know, gets you gets you where you need to go, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah, a thousand. Per- I'm all in on this. Yeah, like you know. Got to be proud of this stuff. But yes, I managed to hang my Raider, uh, my Raider chain, my Raider turnover chain on a gold record. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking. Uh, who cares? We're all living life. We're 3-0. and Life is good. Who can make whatever style choice you want fits. Wear your Raiders gear inside out. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Life is good. Oh, what do you got? I will you got ask you, Hit though, me. Eddie, I need, you, I need your opinion here. Because, yep. see, I, I stood for the Week 2 game in its entirety. I really have. You know, I started at the beginning standing, and then Annabelle, my dog, took the seat on the couch. Then I realized I stood in Allegiant, so it was only fair to stand in my home. And so I stood through the entirety of the game. I stood through the entirety of today's game. My legs get really tired. Like, do I have to keep standing? Or are there like other options? Can I sit at halftime? Like, do I, I think are, are there rules I, on this? I, I think do, it's I, I think it's fair to rest at the half. I think that's fair. I don't think anyone okay. is gonna look down on you for I mean, the players sit down at halftime fits. You shouldn't be expected to to carry on and to be, you know, walking around and doing that. I think that's more than appropriate to sit down. And I think maybe as the game extends. I think maybe if you get a little tired, maybe sit during TV timeouts. But at this point, if you got to stay, like, whatever you're doing is working. So please don't mess it up. Don't change it. Keep just vibing out, standing, sitting, whatever you got to do. Because right now the Raiders are 3-0, and and I think you have a lot to do with it. I'm just looking. It's obviously I'm, because I had the same exact snacks and drinks today. Like, I had the same brand of water, the same brand of uh, sugar-free pink lemonade. Watch my girlish figure. Had the same brand of everything today as I sat there and watched the game. So it's obviously me. You know, it's really funny, too, though. I was talking to my man, Ray, who's on the ones and twos again today, per usual, and I was talking to him, I said, Ray, it's incredible to me that you've never experienced the Raiders' defeat. Since we've brought you on, 3-0. and Spoiled. Spoiled right. fits. I, you know what? I am going to, when, when COVID is no longer an issue, he's going to get the biggest kiss on the cheek ever <laughs> that HR allows. Like, that's just where we go here, straight to the kiss on the cheek. I'm with you. I like to think we're a very affectionate <laughs> podcast. A very affectionate. When you're, hey, I don't know how we're going to rank in terms of stuff across the league, but I will tell you this, Fitz. There will be no post-game show in the NFL that is more affectionate than the fifth quarter, proudly presented by the good people at Twitch. And on that note, for Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, my man Ray on the ones and twos, Alexandra, who is our guru per usual, making sure that all the technical wizardry of this show uh, goes off without a hitch. And for everyone else at Silver and Black Productions, we thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us. Raider Nation, you are 3-0. and Enjoy the victory Monday. It is a good time to be a fan of the Silver and Black, and we will catch you guys next week following the Monday Night Football game against the, uh, oh, no, oh, I almost did it too, Fitz. I almost uh-huh. said the SD uh-huh. Chargers, but I didn't. I didn't. We'll see you guys next week after the primetime clash with the Los Angeles Chargers. Have a great week, and we'll see you then, guys. Thank you for listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch. Make sure to download the Raiders mobile app, and we'll see you next week.